sometimes getting there but ultimately if you don't like your philosophy to resolve itself in mma data or the other ways around time to leave but for those of you who are willing to stay after the immortal words of bob riley from stigmata it's our intro music intro also known as all of nothing from calling of the just still available from revelation records Huntington Beach, California, the city where they hit your car with a hammer, buy it, let these words kick it off while I get the headset. He sings it so well. I'm on my way back to nowhere. I took my time and I could not think so clear. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, all right, uh, ladies and uh, gentlemen, which means uh, ladies plural, gentlemen singular, there's not more than one of you out there who's a gentleman. So let's get the headset on and get into this. We got a whole shitload of stuff to do, but I wanna go back a little bit in time. And uh, I wanna talk about, it's a, this is like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, my uh you know i get all kinds of i get all kinds of mail i just got a photograph from aka it says aka <laughs> this is this is actually some sort of news aka headquarter team hot tubbing post water workout <laughs> uh, uh why do I get stuff like this? Why, why am I having to see the guys at AKA in a hot tub? How is it that anybody would send this to me and think that this was going to be something that would make me happy? All right. All the guys from AKA are in a hot tub. <laughs> that, that's as random as random could be. You know, well, okay, you know what? 
I thank you for sending it to me. That's that's just great. That's that's really just great. You know, I, I'll get to that in a bit. Anyway, uh, let's get this in the right spot. My mother. Um, let, let, let's go down. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go back down the the annals of time. So people would, say, you know, Chris Rock once famously said when I interviewed him, "You show me somebody who's never been beaten, I'll show you somebody who needs a beating." So people I've I've often through the course of my time on this planet have talked to people say, "Hey, hey, were you hit as a kid?" And and you know the the you know there's there there are a couple of different levels. There's routinely hit, you know. There's beaten. There's whipped. There's occasionally hit on odd occasion. I was hit. If if memory serves me correctly, I was hit two or three times. Two or three times. One time I've told you about. You can can't Donna Shalala me on my own show, but one time was when I thought it'd be really funny. I must have been about eight years old to kick my father in the ass as hard as humanly possible. And I, I'm pretty sure he hit me after them, but I wouldn't know because I was laughing so hard I fell on the ground. So he, he, he kind of swatted at me and I was on the ground. I did. But another time, younger, maybe seven, six years old, it's in a uh, Chinese restaurant, had ordered egg foo young. And I had finished before everybody else. And, you know, I looked at the table behind. The people were like, hey, it's a cute little kid. I was like, fuck, I got an audience. So I keep turning. My mother says, hey, yeah, turn around and eat dinner. Well, I'd eaten already, so fuck it. You know, I'm going to entertain the people behind me. I'm looking. She goes, hey, uh, come to the bathroom with me for a second. I go, okay. It's kind of a strange request. But, you know, you're a kid. Your mother's always taking you to the bathroom for this or that. I didn't have to go to the bathroom, but takes me to the bathroom. But, you know, pop, 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 slaps me a couple of times on the bottom. So I told you, I told you to turn around and leave those people. people. Ah, bingo. Poster fell. Uh-huh. Take a drink. Take a drink. It's it's continuing to fall. Um, so she hit me for that, and then uh, and then I don't know. I got I got into some problem with the kid downstairs when we lived on Butler Street in Cobble Hill. She hit me. In general, though, that was not my mother's style. I don't believe she hit my kid sisters at all. Uh, my my mother had a very different style. She would have the harangue, and she'd follow you from one room or the house to. Well, I don't care what the subject was. How rough you were on your shoes, how quickly you wore them out. Why wouldn't you buy the cheaper ones if you're going to go through them that fast? How you tore your pants, whatever the subject at hand was, you know, uh, she followed you from room to room in the harangue with hours. Yeah, hours. Now, as I got older, it got more serious. It got more serious. And then what I started to discover is these were arguments. So what she was doing, probably, I've never asked her about this, but what she was doing was framing my argument style. Like I said, when she was concerned about bullying when I was a kid, so she started out by bullying me, right? I'm I'm not saying this as a, this is not an indictment. I, you know, in other words, the things about me that she thought would be bullyable, she started to make gentle fun of me at home. So that as it is, I've always processed that kind of public criticism that some would call bullying as humor. You know, because she started at home, you know, she figured, okay, my son's got a big forehead. Let me make big forehead jokes. Made big forehead jokes. I just thought it was amusing. So when it came actually time to dealing with bullies, you know, I was just amused, which of course made the bully even angrier. And then they start calling me stupid. I go, well, you're stupid. You know, you big dummy. I said, I'm, I'm the dummy. You're the dummy. And one guy sometime took, took about to take a swipe at me. I write about this in the fight book, fight or everything you ever want to know about asking, but for, asking for asking. And I in, instinctively, I hit him back. 
and he dropped to the floor. That's when I realized, oh, there's some magic here. That's not the point. The point is I wasn't punching my mother. So when I would get upset with my mother, she would goad me and goad me and goad me until I got upset. And then she says, you have something to say? And then I would, in the early days before I figured out that what she was not asking for was for me to say something, but complete submission, I would say, well, yeah, it just doesn't seem right that, and then of course the harangue would double up. So what would have been a 40 minute harangue easily turned into 80 minutes of harangue from room to room. And then I end up in my room and sit there and I'd have to go into it. And it was filled with rhetorical questions. How is that supposed to make sense? What do you, you know, so you're not supposed to. And so then I'd sit there fuming. And she says, you got something to say? You got, if you got something to say, you should say it. So you learn, okay, you don't say anything, but I'm sitting there fuming, which you could see on my face. Fuming was it a wink as good as a nod to a blind horse. Fuming was just like I had said something and the harangue would continue. So pretty soon as a survival mechanism, I realized I had to do a few things. I had to not say anything and I had to not display any outward signs of, of uh, upset. This created in me a situation where <clears throat> it's something I'm not incredibly proud of, but probably before the age of 20 or 21, before I started to fix myself, I would have towering, murderous rages, periodic, like Hercules. You realize all the, the, the labors of Hercules? That was work release shit. Hercules was psychotic was out there murder. He would periodically go berserk in the very traditional work term, berserk. Not like the berserkers. Uh, uh, what is it now in the Philippines? Not berserk, as they used to call it. Um, um, mm. They would go, uh, berserk is not the word. There's a word that it was institutionalized in like Filipino villages of the 1800s where they would people, it was just understood that periodically you'd flip out. We had a family friend like that, Kate. Once a year, she'd flip out, beat her husband to bits, get put in a mental institution, and then she'd get out, she'd be okay, and then like clockwork. Once a year, she did this. But not me. There was no once a year. It wasn't any per periodicity to it, except for the fact that it was typically preceded by a few things. Upset, frustration, suppressive behavior, and then finally, like uh, Anton LaVey once told me, the best thing about uh, control is losing it. And then I would lose it, completely out of control, losing it. Not out of control like these guys that you see that the, uh, it was a different type of out of control. It was a laser out of control. Like I wouldn't, you know, smash my hand through the window like those type of guys smashed through the door. I don't do that stuff. But I would turn on you and it was like I'd reach down into your soul and the thing that bothered you most, I'd be, I was angry and articulate and physically dangerous. And I figured, you know what, at the age of 20 or 21, I can't, I can't go through life this way. I have to have a healthier mechanism for dealing with upset and anger. But still in general, in general, the way I deal with it now, I'm not one of these yappy, you guys have seen me when people try to goad me in the comments. I'm not one, of, generally I, I approach it with a certain sense of humor. Now, those of you who've been around me in person, have seen, like my wife, for example, has seen this, the, you know, and this is, I'm not talking about making any MMA claims. This is, I'm talking pure street fight. She, the two times that she's seen me do this, 
where I'm trying to reason with somebody, early stage frustration. I'm trying to communicate, inability to communicate because the guy's not understanding me. And then I, I set a framework and I typically say, if you keep talking to me, we're going to be fighting. Or if you say one more word to me, I'm going to strike you. Or if you want to fight with me, all you have to do is ask. Or any any other penalty box timeout preceding extreme violent activity. And she said, you know, the first time your voice was so measured and the first time I saw you do it, I looked over and you were actually smiling. And I was smiling because to a certain degree, like uh, uh, Kevin Weeks, uh, Boston Irish Mafia guy, said when I interviewed him for the fight book about, um, about Jimmy Whitey Bulger, he said, Jimmy liked murder. It seemed to relax him. I'm smiling because I'm anticipating the release and the relax. This is up to the age of 21. Now I'd like to say it's much more, it's much more, um, you know, you have, your life is cyclical in certain ways and that, you know, like a homeostatic system, like now I'm right there in the middle. For those of you just listening, I was making a sine wave with my hand and then smoothing out to sort of a, a flat line. I mention all of this because of, of, of uh, uh, Tyron uh, uh, Woodley, T. Wood. T. Wood. Now, everybody, you know, and of course, you know, I picked him to win. Kid Nate did not. Kid Nate got crushed in the in the care don't care preview, but that's not neither here nor there. So people kept asking me about T. Wood, T. Wood, T. Wood, figuring that maybe, oh, the, driven by race pride, that I would pick him. I picked him because I analyzed it. And people say, you know, he's a champion, but what is he? He just, he, you know, he doesn't, he, maybe if he didn't complain so much. Well, okay, T. Wood has violated, if you watch past shows, you've heard me say this before, the one thing, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know the whole people, are you guys, friends of mine in high school, you say, Eugene, what are your secrets of, of machismo or, or like, what is the thing you most want to do if you need to be a man? And I've thought about it. I've lived through the Iron John period and the men's rights activism and the guys going into the hills, hugging each other and crying and whining about their dads. And I finally come to the conclusion, those of you on past shows have heard, that the single thing you must do if you are a man, doesn't matter what kind of man, old man, young man, gay man, straight man, transgendered man, whatever, it doesn't matter. Here, here's here's an epigram that you should stay epigrammatically keep this with you. Shoulder your burden without complaint. Because nobody gives a shit. I don't mean that to be a cynical uh, dismissal or release. Nobody gives a shit. Well, you know, but plenty of people. No, 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 no. When I interviewed Anton LaVey from the Church of Satan, he said, you know, people adhere to, to, to animal stereotypes. You know, there are people that I'm sure that you look at and you think cow. And then I kind of said, yeah, I don't think I've ever looked at a cow and wondered whether it was a cow or not. You look, it's a cow. And he said other people are wolves, people are sheep, other people, you know, it, it's a, quite an easy way to organize human activity, mammalian activity. Why not use the animal world? So. You shoulder your burden without complaint. 
Um, that's that's the basic thing. I mean, yeah, there are people who care. Maybe your mother cares. Maybe your mother cares. But the reality of it is, if we're gonna figure the 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 phenotype that you are as as a male individual precludes that kind of activity. The only place where it's kind of okay to talk about it is other men. And you got to understand their ability to listen to that shit. It, a friend of mine, his mother, uh, not, his wife died. He said, well, come on out with us, man. We'll get some drinks. We'll talk about it. And we gave him half an hour. Within 30 minutes, people were like, hey, man, let's ditch this guy. He's getting fucking, he's depressing. He's fucking depressing. I said, well, bro, his mother, his wife just died. They go, and? That's it. On a dude clock, he got he got 30 minutes. 30 minutes. That was it. It's Friday night. It's Saturday night. I'm not going to let you fuck up my Saturday night with this weeping shit. It doesn't. You don't care. Right? Like, you don't care if your quarterback can tap dance. You do not care. You do not care if your dentist is good at badminton. You do not care. You don't care. T. Wood complains about how he's being treated uh, uh, by his boss, and he runs afoul of, of, of the one thing, the one thing that we commonly collectively hold on to is, is man, when you say somebody's a stand-up guy, generally what you mean is it's not a guy who, who complains, he shoulders his burden without complaint, and if he says he's going to do something, he does it. That's a stand-up guy. I'm big. I was talking talking to the wife the other day, and like, like what what's with all these fake words, these bullshitty words? She goes, "What are you talking about?" I go, "Honor and this crap. It's crap. I just can't put my hands around that honor shit. You know, this use they use it to hustle hu- hustle young men off to war. Honor, honor. More people like Anton Lavey said, popularity has killed more people than anything. More people are driven by the honor." The, and I was hit with forgiveness. What does forgiveness mean? What the fuck? She goes, well, forgiveness is not something you give to somebody else. It's something It's something that you release yourself from. You release yourself from, I don't know, I don't expect you to understand this, but you don't hold grudges. You release yourself from, I go, oh, yeah, I don't understand that. Because what about this thing where people are asking you to, to forgive them? What is that about? What is that about? How can I give you this magical mystery box with a big question mark on it that has anything of value in it? These are fucking make-believe words. But I'm big on loyalty. Isn't loyalty one of those words, Eugene? Yeah, it, it is kind of. But like pornography, I, I can't really define it, but I know it when I see it. For example, the boss I had who started out as working for me, we're standing at a urinal. They've already extended the offer to him to take over Code Magazine. We're having a pretty minor league guy-to-guy moment at the urinal. He could have said to me, hey, man, let me tell you, I've been meeting them. They want to bring in a bigger name to detract people away, distract people and uh, distract people from the fact that Larry Flint is putting out a men's fashion magazine. So they, they extended me the, the offer. I want you to stay. It'll, it'll, it'll be a good one, too. Just call yourself whatever you want. They're going to make me editorial director. You could be editor chief. You could be deputy, whatever you want. That's a stand up guy. In actual fact, Quincy Troop, the guy who wrote, wrote the Miles Davis biography, uh, 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 stood next to me at the urinal, did not mention this, though he knew the knife was coming for me. It made me so angry that rather than quit, 
which a more sensitive type would have done, I decided to stay. Why? Because shouldering my burden without complaint, I have no complaint registered. And two, anybody who's willing to give me money, you, you must take it. A year later, I said, you know what? You guys don't need me. Quincy's doing such a great job. You keep him. I'm going to quit. They fired Quincy. So I'm big on loyalty. If he had come to me, it would have been totally different. Instead, he made himself an enemy, and I laid in wait for him. My point is, and I'm getting to T. Wood, my point is, shouldering your burden without complaint is something he's failed to do. However, however, there's another aspect of, 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 of being an adult male, which I, I enjoy and have to remind myself with much greater frequency than I have to do about shouldering my burden without complaint. I, you know, I, don't, I note I don't complain. I try not to. But the second one, the second one is a big deal. And I have to constantly remind myself. I had to remind myself of that this week when people were like, there was an argument on the Twitter feed at Eugene S. Robinson about Joe Rogaine and whether or not he's alt right, whether he's a racist. Does he have people, does he use the word nigger too liberally? Is he on the, and I, I find, I found that I wanted, I wanted Socratically to get to the most effective rendering of what would be a discussion. Whoa, what the fuck is going on? Oops, sorry. Can you, can you still hear me? I just sat on the, on the keyboard and something strange started happening. I guess I'm still being heard. So what, what, I, what I wanted to do was to kind of, how do I get around a, a discussion? Because, you know, I've met Joe. Social, I'd say he's a known associate. He's been, always been nice to me. But it doesn't mean that the man is above criticism, correct? But what's a smart way of criticism? I'm not going to do this internet shit. I don't give a fuck about dude's racial politic. I'm not, he's not in a position to hire me or extend me a business loan or a real estate loan. Outside of that, I don't give a fuck. Like Martin Luther King said, it's not about wanting to swim in your pools, man. But I said, what, what is the most? And then I hit on it. And then I stopped. And I go, I can't write that. And I go, wait a minute. What's he going to do? You understand what I'm saying? I'm getting to some First Amendment shit, which is what, what, I, what I really enjoy. And I have to remind myself of this as a man with greater frequency than I'd like to think. Because we're all political animals to a certain degree. And we get stuck in these things based on stuff that maybe our parents told us. I have to remind myself. I have to say, what are they going to do? And so then I posed a question, which I thought was a good, you know, it was a good philosophical question. How smart do you think Joe Rogaine is? It's a simple question. It's not an indictment. Well, I, I certainly should be able to ask how smart he is. How smart is he? Well, he went to college. Well, that's not an indication of smarts. I know plenty of stupid people got college degrees. I happen to have a college degree, but I'm, you know, let's talk about how smart Joe is. It, it, my personal opinion, my personal opinion is that, it, is that with Joe, it's less of an issue of IQ and more of an issue of EQ. What do I mean by that? I, I thought... I thought if you go Joe Rogan, Rogaine versus feminist, 
In actual fact, I, I've told you in the past that this is him having an, a public argument with Lydia Lunch. You know how many public arguments I've been filmed having? Zero, unless I was choking somebody or punching them in the face from the stage, in which case there's nothing I can do about stopping people from filming it. And the guy deserved it. Now he might say, well, Lydia deserved it, you know, okay, because she did what? Well, because she was kind of patronizing to me. I'm okay with people being. That whole Jack Black thing was all about him being patronized to me. I laughed at the time. It took me 20 years to get angry about it, but I didn't get angry because he was patronizing me. Of course, like a, a buddy of mine at Jiu-Jitsu uh, Jiu pointed out, I got angry with him because he was successful and rich. That, that's what that's what me off. <laughs> so, so, so I like that. I like that. I like being able to say whatever I want. You know, there's a there was a paratrooper guy I used to train with a power lifter at the gym, and there was something in San Francisco. Uh, there was uh, a protest of some kind. He's like, he's from Kentucky. I've told you a story before, but I'm going to tell it again. He's like, yeah, I bet you out there like one of them freaks out there burn the flag. I said, I know. And I was, I said, me burning the flag? Fuck no, man. You kidding? So, you know, what I do when I get the flag is, and then I took what in karate they used to call a horse stance, you know, my legs spread out, squatting down. I said, now when I have a flag, what I do is, and I take the squat and I mimic rubbing the flag between my ass cheeks. And I go, I rub it to take huge, big chunks of shit out of my ass. I use the flag just to, to wipe it up like a diaper because it's, it's much better than this normal toilet paper. And he got blood red, and he looked at me, and he was like, "Oh boy, you lucky we're not in Kentucky." And I said, "And, and what? And what is your conception of this nation so small that it can't brook? It can't brook with any breach without being met with total violence? Is that what you're saying to me? Because I'm prone to say just anything." friend of mine, his name is Grant Gilbert. He, he did that. He, he, he was always straight from his brain to his mouth. You see, a friend of mine comes up with his girlfriend and, and uh, Grant says, oh, hey, are you pregnant? Your breasts look larger than I've ever seen them. And everybody was angry with him. Oh, like my middle kid sees this, this ex of mine came by to visit and she goes, why are you so fat? And other parents said, oh, don't worry, let's go to, I didn't say shit because she is fat. And I just looked at my friend and waited for her to answer. And she said, well, I'm working on that. I'd like to lose maybe 25 pounds. I'm trying to eat less and have to exercise. No way was I going to stop her. No way. What, what am I teaching my kid? I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want. Yes, I will shoulder my burden without complaint. But on the other hand, we're talking about words. I'm sorry if they hurt your feelings, but I got to say what I'm going to say. In other words, it's much like my, 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 my feelings about Nazi Germany. Remember that they did the interview with a, a film director, a German film director, and he goes, you can't remove a moral imperative from people. You just can't do it. You can't take it away. At this point now, we're four or five generations removed, right? I'm 56 now. I had a birthday on August 28th. 56 now. My mother was born in 1940. Okay, before the end of World War. So, you know, if, we're, if we were German, we're talking her parents, my grandparents might have had some Nazi involvement. 
But, you know, I'm two gen. I'm in the middle. I got two generations. I'm looking. I got a daughter and a grandson. Was my grandson going to pay for some shit that I did? No, you can't. However, you also can't embargo the right of the aggrieved party to complain about it as long as they fucking want. The Jews lost 6 million people. They should be able to complain about that till the end of time. However, the Germans also, it's kind of paradoxical, should also be able to ignore them until the end of time. Have your say. These things are not mutually exclusive. You can complain, and I can ignore, and it works perfectly. I can shoulder my burden without complaint, but at the same time, I'm going to say whatever I fucking feel like. And if you don't like hearing it, you can get on getting on. And that's where we are with T. Wood. We don't we like a guy who shoulders his burden with complaint, but at the same time, who should he be afraid of? Who should he be afraid of? The bald one? The bald one? Really? You know what he looks like? He looked like me when my mother was chasing me around the house screaming at me about things. He looked like that before the fight. An admixture of a little bit of nerves. But more importantly, what I felt an affinity for was that burning sense of fucking injustice. And more coherently, I could describe it as when I looked at his face, I go, there's a guy who hates his fucking boss. I don't know whether it, I, I don't know whether it includes his job. I don't think he could perform nearly as well as he did if he hates his job. But he for sure hates his boss and he hates his workplace, which is different from hating your job. I could do my job for any number of different places. I can only do my work for my boss at the workplace. He had the look of a guy who hated his boss. Because let's not pretend that if he lost this fight, that this would be a good place for him to be. Let's not pretend that if he lost his fight, that we're talking, asking him what he's doing next and when his next fight is. Let's not, you know where he is if he loses his fight? He's exactly where Stephen Thompson is right now. Which is deep in the rotation of the Phantom Toll Booth. Haven't heard that in a while, right? And he's trying to get some fucking action. And Colby Crappington, of all people, who the fuck this guy him? Who the fuck is this guy him? Straight from Colby Crappington's crap hole. Everybody knows, like Leonard Cohen said, everybody knows if T. Wood had lost this fight, it would have been exactly what the bald one had wanted. And the first thing I took when he won the fight is I looked, you know, I'm, I'm doing the bald one scan. And he looked like he looked like somebody had put a dead homeless person in his trunk. That's how happy he looked. And he misses the post-fight presser. I guess he had other things to do. He shit on this guy, and he shit on this guy, and he shit on this guy, and, and the guy turns in a dominant, domineering performance that was exciting to boot. So where's your shit now? Your inability, your inability to, to uh, uh, recalculate and to readjust, the failure to be nimble, 
I also asked Socratically, I said, Don King versus the bald one on Twitter. Who was the worst boss and who was the biggest sport killing piece of shit? Which one? Don King, despite stomping, I think, was it one or two guys to death on the sidewalk? Look it up. It's legit. Don King realized without a healthy host, I don't make any money. They're a special type of vampire. If I kill my host, I don't make anything else off the host. So I need that host as healthy as possible. That host is, I need to only take a little bit of blood or as much blood as I can before the host starts fucking up. The bald one is a different guy. The bald one, the bald one is a Trump guy. You know, Lloyd Price once said to Don King, he goes, fighters come and go. You, the promoter, endure. Can never let a fighter be bigger than you. Baldwin has taken that to heart. But he's also taken some weird sport-killing instinct to heart. That's exactly what's made uh, uh, Donald Trump a business failure. Don't tell me he's a business success. Licensing your name doesn't make you a business success. Introducing real value. I mean, real estate, sorry for you realtors out there, real estate, a good real estate person is like a good, uh, a good actor. They, they, they've, they've mastered a craft. They've mastered a craft. Fine, but it's not a real business. You know, they get in there, they make you feel good, they make the buyer feel good, and you somehow embrace a dream, and they serve as this kind of interstitial thing between you and the banks, and they take the bank talk, which is really hard, numbery talk, and they translate into your kids and your vision for your future and how you see yourself and your place in space. That's what a realtor does. It's part magical. doesn't seem to be anything magical about dealing with Donald Trump. They talk about his transactional nature. Yeah, he's more casino owner than he is a realtor. That feels correct to me. And the casino owners like Lucy Van Pelt, come on, kick the football. I tell you, I bet you two to one that you can kick this football this time. And you end up like Charlie Brown laying on the mound with your shoes off and your pockets turned out. Oh, well. So, so this instinct, this instinct to, you know... <laughs> If you have $10 and I take the whole $10, I don't give a fuck about you. Except, you know what? Maybe go out and get 10 more dollars. You come back and we'll try it again. You might get lucky. How is it that the bald one is so bad for the fucking sport? He, we, two steps forward, two steps back. Look at his face. Go back and look at the tape. Look at T. Wood's face. And you tell me if that's the face of before, during, and after, if that's a happy man. Not a, in general, I'm sure he's happy with his mother and his wife and his kids and his, you know, and the, the, the check. But if that, you tell me if that's a guy who looks like he's happy to be at work. And, and, and to a large extent, people have made themselves company people by falling in for that fucking consensus, consensus fucking uh, consensus reality. Oh, he's this, he's, he complains, and he's this. And the numbers, did you see the fucking, the, 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 the betting line? He was a fucking underdog. 
And I was I was sitting there watching this package as they it, it just they're trying to the difference. You say, oh well, they sukered you, da Darren Till. Yeah, except you know what? Sukered you never got a package like that. Where he's standing on the mountainside with his hands raised, this messianic Darren Till thing, and he's talking about Liverpool. You ever spend any time in Liverpool? I have. There's a lot of myth making with this thing. I mean, he's talking about I've um I'll take over. He's trying to he, this guy could be our British Conor McGregor. I mean, Conor McGregor breaks through, they want to create other Conor McGregors. That's just the way it works. Just the way it works. You know, uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot comes out. She got big butts, comes out with that video. And then all of a sudden, people are like, butts? People are actually getting butt implants now. Women are getting Kardashian lips because it's like that's the, you know, the the the, uh, uh, the negrotization of, of American beauty standards. Fine. Don't act like you discovered this shit. <laughs> yeah, you you just now discovered it. So so this is a guy. This is the face of a guy who doesn't enjoy being there. And then you start to go down the list of the Diaz's. How come all these top flight guys? Can you think of any other sport that does their top flight guys as dirty outside of boxing? You can't. You can't. Tom Brady, you know, that, <laughs> Tom, nope, can't. You can't think of it. You can't because it doesn't exist. So he skips a post-fight presser. You know, uh, he should be lining up behind this guy. But from the start, he sees the end. You know, Crappington is yapping. He's like, oh, God. You watch to see if any more money is put put behind, you know, you watch to see if any more money is put behind Crappington. The bare minimum money will be put behind Colby Crappington fight to to uh to create the illusion like well you know to 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 bank on what'll be the short end money which maybe he wins maybe he wins and like somebody sagely pointed out they said well you know what's going on with the speaker thing sagely pointed out they go you know he's going to turn this into a maga thing and that's going to be really fucking bad and a drag and i go yep and the bald one's not going to stop it because why He's the guy that would, this is the difference between jealousy and envy. Jealousy is, you know, uh, 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 you know, I want what you have. Envy is, I also want what you have, but I don't want you to have it. It's treating somebody fair is not giving them the upper hand. When Andy Grove wrote that book, Only the Paranoid Survived, that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about filling in gaps in your business like your competitor would, leaving them no room. Your fighters are not your competitors. They're your co-workers. And in fact, if there's one thing that's going to drive me from the sport, it's actually this, I, this adversarial thing that he does that I fucking hate. I cannot watch this knowing these guys are being done dirty. I really like Matt Riddle's tweet from this week. So I'm the dummy, huh? No other sport's going to hire me and pay me money. Guess what? I'm fake wrestling now and driving Maseratis. Who's a dummy, fuckhead? How is it? How is it that you're going to let this get to you? How is it if you've got $400 million that this stuff matters? How is it that this, that you could build something enduring, legacy promoting, that you could put something that will, that will get you remembered for 200 years, well beyond your lifespan? I mean, how, and you choose not to.
You choose not to. I know some of you are listening out there are Trump guys. And I'm going to say something that in the fullness of time you will come to agree with. I don't agree with the type of great that he could have been. However, if he had delivered on a small percentage of what he represented to the guys who seem sane to me, who I know were Trump people, he's not he's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. What he is is a guy who wants to revolutionize an approach to the business as usual, the establishment. He's anti-establishment. And the guy said to me, my Trump guy said to me, out of all the people, I expected you would understand how cool it is to be anti-establishment. Yeah, but that's that's what he sold you. Come back to my casino. Come back to my casino. But that's not who he is. You know, I mean, Dana might might make a good game about being cared, caring about legacy, but that's not all those grandiose things I just spelled out. In the fullness of time, people will look at and, and treat Don King more more kindly than they will. And because in the course of getting to where he is, Don King, who is still alive, he did some great things. And he might have he might have taken more than he should have from the fighters, but he also made a lot of fighters rich. I think the only guys that we can comfortably say have been made rich by the by the UFC. Well, let's beyond a shadow of a doubt. McNuggets, Johnny Boney Joni, and there are a few others, right? GSP. Those, those are the top earners, right? Any, you know, Joe Lazan was a hard worker, show pony maybe, you know, not show pony, hard worker. Let's call him a hard worker, workhorse. Lives in a cheap part of the country, probably doesn't have to work again, made enough. Not beach house in Malibu enough, but enough. I just don't understand it. I just do not understand it. So Tyron goes into this fight, and uh, and you want to see you want to see that the jungle is not. You want to see that people are not playing along. It's not what you're going to see. I love I, uh, as Mergliata comes in, and I go, I love this guy because since he made that bad call several years ago, he's the kind of ref that will let you get beat half to death before he stops the fight. So I go, good. I don't have to worry about any weirdness. And then he separates them as they stand up, not once, but twice. So now my feelers are out. I'm not trusting Mergliata. I'm not trusting anybody at this point. It's like being in the Reichstag when uh, Hitler with this team of, uh, team of uh, uh, you know, the, the Lincolnian thing of, you know, team of adversaries. And you'd have to walk by other people in the Reichstag with your, you know, hand on your Luger, let's say, try to drag you out for some trumped up charge and get you shot on the side of the building, which happened. Right. So <laughs> voice cracking. So um, so Merliata is is, you know, it seemed that interrupt stand up. It's weird. Stand up and separation. Both guys are pretty active. I could smell it. I could smell the collusion. I could smell it. And you tell me, you tell me if the situation were reversed, if the situation were reversed and T Wood were on the ground, and he was these big King Kong elbows. Darren Till was delivering them to his head. If he would, if he would have been allowed to deliver eight of them, you know he wouldn't. Don't lie to me. You know he wouldn't. So as far as I'm concerned, the jungle was in the bag. Now Till, from his point of view, is not. 
right? It's just better if that guy doesn't know. In other words, you can't fault these guys sometimes because they start to believe these video packages. And you could see it in, in, the, in the photo ops and the weigh-ins and the kind of thing where he was appearing with T. Wood. He was doing what the animal kingdom recognizes as a sign of dominance. He was all standing way close. It was hands up high, way close, try, trying to create not an illusion, but trying to create an overriding impression of I'm bigger than you. I believe, you know, like like they say, if you're accosted by a mountain lion on a country trail, hold your arms up in the air. Appear to be larger. Animal brain works. The guy is out. He's get done. That's the way you do it. And he's doing it. And I'm watching T. Wood, and I see that face that I used to have when I knew I couldn't outwardly express anger and, and I couldn't verbally express anger. And I'm stuck. I recognize that face. And that's what D, that's what did uh, 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 till in. Now, DC got down to the technical aspects. He goes, uppercut, uppercut, left. He said, nobody can do that really but McGregor because you open yourself up. So uppercut here, I got nothing protected, and then left. And I'm extending myself here. So I'm up here and then here, ah, sign. And I got nothing. I got nothing. I got to pull both my hands back. And, but that's not, that's, that's only part of the story. The other part of the story is what he was trying to do. When he came in the T-Wood, the he came in, he, it was a, a in-cage variation, this thing he's trying to do of creating a larger thing. He came in like this, which is really wrong to do from a number of different points of view. More specifically, you never do it to a wrestler. I don't know if you got, have been in the cage, you've had jiu-jitsu competitions or whatever, but one thing I like about wrestlers is they're used to, you know, part of their setup has to do with pushing the other guy's face. So they become, they inured to it, or a better way, immune to it. Immune. You know, you push your, you know, back on center, back. In other words, this kind of distracting thing of all this stuff coming towards your visual centers, that for the average person, we start to pull back or we start to, you know, wrestlers understand as a setup. And they can concentrate their way through it. So Till comes in like, uh, and rather than pull back or something, you can see like T would go like, oh, shit. Gaba bing. Takes him down. Starts to punch. And you could see him. He's like fucking dropping these bombs on him. And he's like thinking that this is going to get it stopped. I'm going to crack this guy's fucking skull right open. And he kind of glances at Mirigliata and he sees, ha, you know what? You're not going to fucking stop it because they're all against me. Just, you know, people talk about me being paranoid. Let me tell you about paranoia. <laughs> Let me tell you about paranoia. I know people who say, oh, I'll shoulder your burden about complaint. One of the number one things I hear about black folks from white folks who think I'm sane is like, God, ah, they're always complaining. Ah, it's been 400 years of racism. Ah, you know, it's a, well, you, you, this is, again, we have what they have in Germany. I don't, you can't remove a moral imperative from a people. I'm not asking you guys to still feel bad about some shit that happened in 1700s, 1600s. I'm not asking for or st stuff that happened in the 1960s or 70s. I'm not asking you to feel bad for racism. 
And while in general, I'd like to shoulder my burden without complaint, that other part of being a man that is being able to speak my mind when and what I, uh, what and when I fucking like, I'm going to do that too. You just got to learn to ignore me like you have been. So he sees, ah, I see, he's waiting for me to punch myself out. Well, that's not going to happen. And so then it's more measured. He's looking at it, glances at it, mirror glasses, okay, nah, measured after that. But it was at a great point. That's like three minutes left. And he sinks that fucking darse. <laughs> Some people call it a bravo. I call it a darse. And, and taps that fucking guy out. And the first everybody's cheer, But T was not cheering. He just kind of fell to his knees. It's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Give me liberty or give me psh. That's the way that was supposed to work, and it didn't work. And all the Vegas odd makers who were in the bag, everybody didn't work. Merely odd, all the judges. You know, I, I need to see those judges' scorecards from round number one. <laughs> During which time, till, <clears throat> till through nothing. I mean, literally zero. And then he doesn't even have the decency to d shoulder your burden without complaint to go dead in the face. Now nah, he looks like he looks like as happy as a guy who just put a dead person in his trunk. The bald one I'm talking about. And and it, it really it's like a bad relationship. T Wood's not happy. The bald one's not happy. Till is not happy. Till's team is not happy. Nobody's happy. What does that say to you? If you if the UFC had a board of directors, it says to me after 25 years, this guy's got to go. If Goldie had to go, he should go. You don't need him. You do not need him. If there's one person out there who's like, where's his base? Where's his base? Like I think with the Trump, I think his base is overstated. You have a lot of anti-establishment people who recognize that what's happening is something that's never happened before. But they're not Trumpniks. Some of them are not even Republicans. There's just like the fuck shit up party. So I was really happy to see Tyron uh, win. It was a solid win, but tell me where the road turns. And what happens when he puts Crappington away? You know, if I'm the bald one, if you want some advice from me, bald one, you could turn this shit around right now. Treat your A-list guys like A-list guys. Instead of putting all his money and effort, did you see any packages of T. Wood and Ferguson? You didn't see one, did you? Because it wasn't there. We didn't go to Liverpool and have him standing triumphantly. No, okay, well, you know, we're just trying to build up the fight. Yeah, well, you gambled and you lost. I, I just I can't see that any other way. The question it would till is why you know what you know here 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 is here is something that uh, that could uh, a solution to a problem. Have till fight Crappington. That's dangerous. Crappington's got one more fight in him. If you really believe he could beat T Wood, run him out there against T Wood. Right now, how about this? Play along with T Wood. Say listen. Why don't we fabricate some injury for you 
get get you out six months. You can train in the interim to keep the public's attention on this kind of welterweight thing. We'll put we'll put till till we'll start saying misty shit, which you already start to do unbidden. It's okay. The guy the guy has a certain license right after the fight, but you put him against fucking Crappington. Crappington's got this you know interim champ IC belt. What the fuck is that? He's got that belt. Make him work for it. That's a great storyline. Till was like, I want, I don't give a shit. I want a belt. I don't care whose belt I take. I'm gonna take it, and then I'm gonna meet up with with uh, T Wood again. People would go for that. That's something we would buy. The the objective being to get the greatest number of good fights out of it. Crappington fights T Wood and gets fucking murked. He's done too. And what do you have, welterweights? You have you, the bald one, stuck with a guy who you hate, who knows you hate him. And in turn hates you. What is the fucking point? Okay, moving down the card. People have been asking me online, what do you think about Montano getting the belt yanked? I don't give a shit. I don't I, you gotta understand. They're belts and then they're belts. There's a guy I used to work with, Rafe. He was like the youngest, he was like the youngest editor-in-chief ever. And they put him in editor-in-chief of this big. He was younger than I was, and they made him my boss in this publication I worked at. And I realized, man, that guy, he's really got it made. Then they sold the publication, laid everybody off. And then, and then Rafe was hard to get a job because nobody fundamentally was gonna hire a 23-year-old Wonderkin at $150,000 a year. Just they were not. They were not. At this point now, you're the editor-in-chief of a failed publication. Why would you pay? And of course, in his head, reading the weather correctly, how long is he going to hold on to who it was that he was and focus on who it is that he is? He figured it out pretty quickly. And last I checked, he was like, senior editor. Yeah, okay. All right, bro. That makes sense. That makes sense. How much are you going to believe Montana's got some sort of belt? That's a Special Olympics belt, man. Yeah, you look, you say, oh, don't get caught up in people saying bad stuff. It's not about you. You're taking it personally. It's not personal. It's not personal. But you really thought you had the belt of some kind, of some value. Oh, there's a bantam weight. The, the, the. No, 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 no. You were just there to, to, to you know, you were there to burnish something for Chanko. Come on. And you couldn't come in, you know, you couldn't, you, could, you couldn't, sorry about this nose. I was out there doing yard work and I got all, I should have worn a mask. You know, as you can't see it. And then I got tile put in the bathroom so I can't take a shower. You know, it's the whole thing. It's like that great 50 cent line. I guess you forgot where you were. You're lucky to have the belt to begin with. Who the fuck are you? Do I have sympathy for you? Yeah, they need to fix the weight loss thing. That's a drag. It's shitty. That the, the weight thing drove me from bodybuilding and uh, largely is one of the most miserable things about fighting at this point now. I just go super heavy. I'm done. I'm done dieting. Of course, now that I say that I'm done, then I lose weight and I'm 208. It's right on the edge. I could compete, but of course, time is against me, and there are not too many other guys from 1962 who fought. Guys from my team took first and second at the Jiu-Jitsu World League uh, yesterday. The same people that called me and said, we got nobody for you. 
I go, how far, how low in age and high in weight do I have to go before I find anybody? And they were just like, forget it. It doesn't, does it, I got to go down to 38 to find somebody in your weight, super heavy weight category. You're done. Jesus Christ. Okay. So I'm not upset that she got her belt yanked. Come in at the weight or don't, you know, whatever. The whole weight thing, you know, at this point now, change your weight class. I understand being the strongest guy in the lowest weight class, but to me, it feels like an anachronism. It's it's pointless. And she lost a belt that, in my mind, had no real worth anyway. Get your weight in shape. Figure out where it's going to be comfortably. Get back in the cage because right now, we don't know who the fuck you are. I mean, yeah, no, we know who you are, but that's not the point. Anybody who's who's going to dispute that, tell me about the last fight of hers that I should see that where she really just showed out. Show me which fight that is. Tell me right now off the top of your head. You can't. Uh, I didn't I didn't care about my uh, Magomed. I like his jujitsu. But as far as I'm concerned, he he had this great against Brunson, a guy with the or not Brunson. uh, uh, uh you know who I'm talking about. The guy he fought, um, and the guy had two weeks' notice and did well for two weeks' notice. If he hadn't taken his hand off of his foot, he took one hand off of his foot to adjust, which allowed him to kind of get the crank on the, on the knee, he probably would have held out longer. But still, this is two weeks. I've been hearing all these great things about this guy. What are you going soft Sally on this guy for? Give him some real competition, have him fight. And what amazes me is that with a beak like that, nobody they don't just pour salvos right down the middle. Clearly, I think I think he's realized I'm a bit he, given his shape and frame is still he's a better grappler than he's a stand-up guy. I know he's doing all his karate kid shit, but believe me, but I, I still don't care. Give him a real opponent, and then I'll start to care. Uh, both Nate and I picked Karolina Kowalkovich. I, di- I didn't see I didn't see Andrade doing that, but she did. And if you watch the at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, yes, I did make some nasty sidelong accusations about performance enhancing drugs. I don't know, bro. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. But I'm assuming everybody's being tested, right? I mean, the thing is, Carolina is she's not. I not lost a step. She lost. She lost a slugfest. That was a slugfest. Will Rose get caught in a slugfest? I don't think so. You set the terms. You lose to those terms that you did not set. And that was a solid fucking knockout. And I I got a big X through it because I didn't get it right. Aljermaine Sterling, I picked. I got, I got right with that, which I love because he he pulled just short of saying really misty shit afterward. But and I picked Rivera, uh, Nate picked Rivera. So uh, going through the card, let, I mean, there were a lot that, uh, of course, we both see. I let Nate talk me into Camacho, which was foolish. He lost. But if you look at what somebody's, what are you, what are you texting me here? Um. So if you look at it, this is a math thing, right? So I had I had six. Okay, no, we cut out Strachenko. I had three, four, five. So I had, I made five picks on the care, don't care preview. Of those five picks, I got three that were right. Oh, God, something in my eye from this yard work. Nate 
had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks, and he got three right. It feels to me like I won, but I'm not a math genius. So three out of five right versus three out of three out of eight. Three out of five versus three out of eight. I think I did better, right? Because somebody who's got a functioning, functioning knowledge of math, please figure this out for me because I don't. That's why I'm a writer. So UFC 228 was unexpectedly pleasant. Pleasant. Yes, it was pleasant. But the corrosive rot at the center of this organization fucking continues. It continues. And it's not a mystery. It's like coming into a house and something stinks. You don't know. Maybe it's, what the fuck is a dead rat under that? It, it, no. No, 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 no. No, we know right where. It, 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 this, this is not a mystery. How do you fix it? How do you fix it? In November, we could fix the Trump thing. But how do you fix this guy? I mean, this is a guy. This is a Captain Ahab guy. He's on the back of the whale, stabbing the whale, uh, 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 you know, irrespective of the fact that his leg is tied to the fucking rope and that he is going down. How do scorch earth zero some guys? How do they make it? What's they think about how, how the non-Jew does business? They go, fuck it, when things don't work out right. And they say, well, how does a Jew do business? Fuck it. Let's make this work. Where is that? Where is that? You think that's weak? I don't think it's weak. I think it's smart. What he's saying is, let's ask that question that we asked of Joe Rogan at the beginning. How smart is the bald one? He would say, look what I built. Look what... Do not confuse, do not confuse a correct approach to opportunity with smarts. I don't want to take anything away from the guy, too. You take 10 other guys and they don't do what he's done. But at the same time, Peter Principle style, some people rise to the level of their greatest incompetence. That's where he is now. He is no help to this organization. Absolutely none. The shit is a distraction. And he, okay, the secondary step after the Ultimate Fighter, this whole contender series, you know, Dana fight looking for Dana White looking for a fight. That's we said it on an old show back when it was Knuckle Up that you're gonna have to have you're gonna have to have a follow on to this because the Ultimate Fighter. When was the last time you watched the whole season? Honest to God, when was the last time? It's a while ago. I need a table saw. Sorry, side note. I, I need a table saw for like five minutes. I need somebody to come over to my house with a table saw, and then I got to cut about uh, a quarter of an inch off the bottom of my bathroom door. Don't ask. I just need it. Come on. Help me out. So anyway, so anyway, um, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to fix it. But the reality of it was, in general, if you're honest with yourself, coming out of UFC 228, it was a pleasant experience. Yes, if we going back to the drug analogy, it's been a while since we had it. So even even bunk shit would have given us a buzz. But this was more than a buzz. We had there were not too many things wrong. And, and what was right about it was a, it's a, the, the minimizing of the bald one's presence and role. I was actually OK not seeing him at the press fight, uh, the press conference. 
Of course, though, people being present through their absence, the fact that he wasn't at the press conference created a focal point. I mean, these guys, to a certain degree, have a narcissistic personality disorder. And above all else, like the fact that they we're talking about them. That's why I don't use his name anymore. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Say whatever you want, but don't spell my name wrong. At a certain, I mean, you look at somebody like Warren Buffett. Got no need for the press, man. Just out about making money, making shit happen. When was the last time you saw fucking uh, uh, Jeff Bezos smoking up on Joe Rogan experience and using a flamethrower? These guys are cripples. They're fucking cripples. Yes, you should embrace the second second order order of business for men, saying what you want without fear of repercussion. But at the same time, shouldering your burden without complaint, there should be like a third category there, which was Lincoln said, uh, 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 you know, keep your mouth shut and people may think you're, this is a paraphrase, think you're stupid. Open your mouth, remove all doubt. Don't say stupid shit. That's that, that, that's part of what that's part of what you know shouldering your burden about complaint is. It's stupid. If you have a problem, you should have a solution. If you have a problem and you don't have a solution, then you don't have a problem. If you have a problem with the sun and you have no solution to the sun coming up, then you don't have a problem. So anyway, I've talked five minutes over. I've rambled on. I've rambled on. We made a full circuit. Don't know how to fix it. It was a good fight, but the same disturbing underpinnings still exist. Don't know how to fix it. Don't know how to help it. Don't know how to stop it. But it didn't mean I didn't have a good time watching UFC 228. And not only that, not only did I make it on one glass of water, but the Sky Girls were there. And they kept giving me free fucking vodka shots. I guess Sky is a vodka or a gin. I don't know. I was glad to have it. So I, this was a one glass of water fight. Three, and then they bought Jaeger. So they had three vodka shots and then some Jaegermeister. And the wife came for the first bit of it, and they gave her a beer that I, I'm pretty sure she didn't pay for. Got there at 6.08. And they said, after 6 o'clock, you got to pay 15 a person. I was like, yo, bro, we, we got there at 6 08. We're just here. You're going to charge us? The... He's like, all right. She goes, no, that's okay. I'll leave. He goes, you're not going to leave. Forget it. We'll just charge. So $20. He goes, just get a drink or something. $20. So it was a win all around. I feel pretty good. Drug parallel, I feel pretty good. The bald one had nothing to do with that outside of the fact that he created the venue. And if you read some of the press, you can see this had the fewest number of people in-house in Dallas. We're paying attention, man. It's a drag. It's a drag to see these guys not making what they should make. And it doesn't hurt us. Oh, oh, would you pay $200 for tickets? Hey, man, I'm not paying $200 for a ticket because they're not getting the money. And you don't need another beach house, bald one. Give them more money. That's it. Boxing fans are not worried about boxers. He says, well, you know, boxers, I, you know, didn't you work in a mailroom with a guy who's an Olympic boxer? Yeah, I did. I didn't work in the mailroom. He worked in the mailroom when I was at Nike, uh, Nike, Nikon. 
But at least if he did fight, he was going to make a workable, you know, guy went to the Olympics, came back, didn't want to pursue a pro career, did, couldn't, couldn't find the right management, whatever. But if he was fighting, he would have been getting paid the right way. Anyway, that's the show. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, we have If I Did It and If the Shoes Fit. You need to get on the fucking Twitter connection because somehow, and I'm confused about the actual methodology, but uh, a Bloody Elbow has different channels. So they switched it to a different channel. People say, I haven't seen If I Did It for a week. Uh, we switched to a different channel. Well, two weeks ago, Alexi was on vacation, but we switched to a different channel. You got to figure out what that channel is. Get on it. If the shoes fit, was always on Patreon, was never on Bloody Elbow. So you just got to find If I Did And then once you do it, just subscribe so so you get the, the pre-announcement uh it, those of you who are interested in the film review we've seen lots of film ah i have my tongue we we've seen lots of movies but caution eugene's film reviews for Re you kill me caution eugene's film reviews for reprobates i don't i don't want to nag my wife she knows i'm doing this show and she's she's out training right now and she'll come home she says, we'll do the show. We do the show. But I don't want to get into a situation where I'm trying to, you know, tyrannize my wife with my work ethic. Not going to do it. So those of you who've been asking where you kill me is, you get, so when my wife feels like doing it, we'll do it again. She's not like me, indefatigable about this show. Doesn't see if there's an immediate benefit to her. I got it. We've been seeing, we got five movies in, in, in the hole. I'd like to talk about it. And was going to use as a jump point before I saw T. Wood's face and had to go off on that tangent. Was going to use as a jump point one of the movies we just saw. But I, I, I will not. So, Tuesday at 7.20, if, if I did it, followed by, immediately followed by If the Shoes Fit, figure out what channel they're on. I don't know how to help you with that. Uh, find the last one. If you're on my Facebook page, you can see the last one. Or if you go through the Twitter feed of Kid Nate or me or Alexi, you can see it as well. Go below. Give us a thumbs up. Tell your friends about it. Uh, next week, we have a big fight. Uh, I am in Los Angeles on Saturday. Um, so I'll probably end up doing the show Stomper on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, uh, no, probably on Monday. Monday for sure. Um, and as usual, you know the detail. If you want to show up to the L.A. show at, at Union, it's at Union on Saturday, September fifteenth. You know the you know the drill. There's a list though, because LA is full of people we know. You text me, you take the quiz, so I know you're not gaming the system. If you pass, you're on the list. Backstage pass, the whole deal. Standing offer anytime Oxbow plays, that's a deal. Ask. There are people people listening right now. People who have done have had the benefit come backstage. You know, Roma Raider, a lot of people. It works. Not fucking around. So that's the end of the show. We'll see you later. I bit my tongue about four times while doing this show. My mouth's all torn up from jujitsu, But I finished in one piece. Ah, look what you made me do! Ah!